Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Golden State Warriors in 2016? What's going on, everybody? Today, we are, we're kind of in the heart of the NBA playoffs that are going on right now. So we have a little NBA topic for you guys. We uh, jump back in time a few years, my beloved Oklahoma City Thunder, and we talk about a tragic event that happened for them in the 2016 playoffs that changed the course of history. But first, before we get there, we wanted to uh, celebrate our good friend Michael Kelly here. His birthday is coming up. I, I think it's after this episode is supposed to come out, depending on how long it takes to edit and everything. So, Michael, that's on you. <laughs> so, we just wanted to celebrate him a little bit before we jump into the episode and uh, talk about some of our best memories of him. So, Eddie G, what do you guys got? I got something. So, there's this time, I think it was a few years ago by now. Michael and I went to the main spot in St. Louis to get Indian food. Shout out to House of India, man. And then we were getting food and I got, I got a lot of information on Michael that uh, let's just say if I ever needed to blackmail him, I'm good because I got everything I need. Essentially, Michael, he has a very business oriented mind. He always is thinking of ideas for getting some money on the side. And he talked to me about some ideas about uh, using money in different ways <laughs> that I won't repeat in full, but he, he had a lot of ideas about money-making schemes. And I think it's a testament to his business acumen, his work ethic, and his all-around demeanor that he was just so able to devise these schemes and so willing to carry them out whether the law approves of it or not so i won't say anything more to preserve the separation of church and state or something like that but uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah shout out to michael man happy birthday I, you're just gonna leave us on that cliffhanger like we're on a podcast man like we need the content all I'll say is there's more to Michael than meets the eye. And he's got some things up his sleeve that you guys wouldn't expect. How about, how about da? Um, you know, G, I don't know what this says about me. I don't remember what exactly I said during that lunch. But it's a two-way stream, my friend. I remember there's, uh, there's some scheming going on over there on your end, too, on your side of the booth. Let's just say involve some cookies. But yeah, thank you, G. That was a good lunch. For me, so I went to go visit Michael in Albuquerque, like back uh, late 2019, like right before the pandemic hit. And he had like an event at work. So I think he had forgot that he had to go to this event. So, but it was, it was good with, for me, you know, because I was going to visit Michael and I got a chance to see a different city in New Mexico. 
and we went to Carlsbad and that was a really cool town so we went there and he had to like set up a little booth and with some flyers for his uh for his company and you know just talking to people so just seeing Michael in his element in his work role like just being so folksy and and things like that I remember telling him like Michael you should be in sales like I think this is kind of tying along with I don't know if it's like really tying along with what Jeet was saying but Michael's very good with people he's just he's a very good conversationalist good with the small talk and he'll just he'll make you want to do something that you didn't think you were gonna do he's got that like persuasiveness about him so I took notes I was like man this is this is really good I'm watching him in his element but uh yeah no that was just a that was just a good time uh, just spending time with Michael and and just seeing him how he interacts with people that was a big memory for me mm. thank you Eddie if I recall too, I was talking to some people and you kind of got to see how to go about it. And you started talking to some people as well during the event, like just throwing your hat in the ring and you did very well yourself. So props to you, Eddie. I learned from you. Hey, I don't know. I maybe have, I may have to think my uh, career trajectory after this call. I don't know what Cameron's story will be, but maybe I'm in the wrong profession. Apparently. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a sales type story, but I couldn't really think of anything. But I I actually visited Michael as well, not in New Mexico, but when he was at Mizzou. Me and Caitlin came down and visited and went to the Arkansas game when they were in town, played Mizzou, got to stay at his apartment and hang out with him a lot. So he's a very awesome person to hang out with. But I don't know. I was just thinking about like, like we had a lot of classes together in high school. Like, there's some very memorable moments uh, that revolve around Nathan. Mm. Like, one of them, Nathan sneezed, and it was, like, the most <laughs> disgusting sneeze I've ever seen. And me and you just died laughing. So, basically, it was, like, me and you hanging out, like, laughing at Nathan. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I don't know. Just a lot of great memories. Um, a lot of memories, like, watching you play soccer and absolutely being furious at everything but being like the nicest person in the world outside of the lines and everything it's good stuff man you're fun to hang out with and you're my go-to whenever we talk about like all the comic book uh and g's not as much involved in the marvel side of things so you're definitely my go-to for like all the movies and shows and everything so just enjoy talking with you about all those but yeah man yeah the second you said Nathan's name, Cameron, lots of memories just like start flooding back in, which have not come top of mind for many, many years. Lots of great times in high school, for sure, in those classes and such. But yeah, thank you, Cameron. Love these stories. Thank you all. I always get a little bit nervous whenever these kind of intros come around because you just never know what's going to come up. But outside of Jeep, perhaps blackmailing me at some point, I don't have too much to worry about. So that's good. But I really we have do that video of you. We have that video of you dancing. Do one of us still have that video? Maybe we could send it to the social team. I got the moves, man. I'm ready to. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I, I like to dance. Yeah. yeah. Oh, last thing though, you took me. This might be the greatest thing you've ever done for me. Is you took me to. We were in Dallas to. What's it called? Like House de Brazil or something. 
and you showed me the most amazing drink in the world, which is Guarana. I said it right? That's right, Gabriel. Nice. Delicious. So thank you for showing me that. But yeah, we love you, Mike. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, G. Love you guys as well. And all these really kind words. Much appreciated. Absolutely. All right. So with that, we will jump into the episode. I, I'm not very good at the transitions like G does. G's definitely the best with those. But yeah, let's get after it. going on everybody we are back and we have a new episode so today we are talking about what if oklahoma city beats golden state in a 2016 western conference finals so as you guys know the thunder were building a very good team they had gone to the finals a few years before obviously james harden gets traded after that season so they had like a slight hiccup there but had a very good team, and Golden State was coming off. Um, I can't remember if they won it the year before or not. Let me look up real quick. In 2015, yeah, Golden State won. They ended up winning it that year? Okay. So Golden State was coming off winning the championship the year before, and that season they actually had the greatest regular season of all time, beating whichever Bulls team that was. So they went 73-9, and I believe. So it could be the greatest regular season basketball team in the history of the NBA. So Oklahoma City, very good team as well. In this series, Golden State ends up winning in seven games. So they came down from 3-1, not the most famous 3-1 series lead in that playoffs. But they came back down from 3-1. Most notably, one of the games, which was in Oklahoma City, was game six. In which, you know, everyone thought, you know, they won game five at home. Series is 3-2. We're going back to Oklahoma City. Great opportunity for them to close it out. Oklahoma City was dominating them on the boards. Their length was killing the Warriors, which was crazy because of how good this team was. But they were just locking them up, essentially. In game six, Clay Thompson goes on to score 41 points. And he hits 11 threes, which I thought was a record then. I didn't find if it was a record or not for a playoff game, but I mean, still 11 threes, 41 points, just an absolutely absurd game. I remember watching that game and Steph had a good game, but like everyone else was pretty bad. And anytime Oklahoma City was like on the brink of taking the game, he would like hit like three threes, just absolute daggers, like unconscious, super contested, off balance, like just hitting anything he wanted to. So I actually have a tweet pulled up because I, I don't tweet often, but this was a tweet-worthy moment for me. And this is my tweet. It says, screw Clay Thompson. That dude was crazy. I was obviously furious if I felt like I needed to tweet about this game. But not as much like bad at him because I don't like him, but mad at him because that was like the most absurd game I've ever seen. And the Thunder, I believe probably would have won the championship that year that ends up setting up what ended to be lebron's year that he won in cleveland when golden state goes to the finals they go up 3-1 on cleveland cleveland comes storming back they win the nba finals 
you know, you had the vintage LeBlanc that he had, and then Kyrie's step back three to essentially put the game away and win it. I it, an insane series in its own right. But this next summer created an incredible series of events that happened in the NBA. And it was all kickstarted because Kevin Durant ends up leaving the Thunder and going to the team that had just beaten him in the Western Conference Finals, the Golden State Warriors. Hugh's story takes a current to teak because he is essentially joining the dark side, you know, the team that had won 73 games the year before without him. So him being a top, you know, five to 10 NBA player, joining that team just seemed absurd. They go on to win two more finals back-to-back, and he was obviously a huge part of that. And then they ended up losing to the Raptors. So that was the year that he tore his Achilles. So the next year, he goes and signs with the Nets. There's a lot of disjointed things that are happening within the Warriors. He goes and signs with the Nets. The Warriors have about one bad season, end up with like a top-two pick. And then they make a couple trades. Now they got Andrew Wiggins, and they go back to the playoffs last year. Don't quite make it. They don't have, like, all their pieces. Clay, I think, was out last year. And then this year, now they're playing tonight, uh, as we're recording this in Game 5, most likely going to close out the Dallas Mavericks, so they'll be playing in the finals once again. And hopefully, as this is coming out, I'm not completely wrong. The Dallas Mavericks make an incredible comeback. But anyways... This actually sends Thunder into quite the spiral because they were setting up to be a dynasty, essentially, with how good their core was with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. You know, you could throw Serge Ibaka and Steven Adams in there as well. A really good team, a lot of length, a lot of defense, a lot of scoring with Kevin Durant and Russ. Anyways, sends them into quite the spiral because now you take a top five NBA player off your team and they are now needing to try to replace that to be competitive. So they make a whole lot of different trades over the course of the next few years. They trade for Victor Oladipo and they draft Sabonis, which ends up, I mean, he ends up being a really, really good player. But, you know, OKC doesn't see that happen because the Oladipo thing doesn't really work out. Sabonis, they trade him because Paul George wants out of Indiana. So they trade him away for Paul George. They have a couple of good years. I think there's a little stint of mellow in there with that Paul George, Russell Westbrook trio, which didn't really work out. And then Paul George ends up getting traded again to Los Angeles and just like an absolute shocking move. Now Russ is looking at his options and he's on a not very good team all of a sudden. So he has to get traded. He ends up getting swapped for CP3 in Houston. And so now the Thunder are, they have CP3, they get shy, Gilgis Alexander from the Clippers trade. So now they're in a youth movement. They end up making the playoffs the next four years still, regardless with all that turnover. They, all, they lose in the first round every year for the next four years. And then they've had two pretty poor seasons after that in rebuilding mode. But I wanted to ask you guys, I guess starting from the beginning, OKC definitely had a stranglehold on that series against the best team in the NBA. If they win that game, does OKC win the NBA Finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers? I say yes, they do beat the Cavaliers because 
if I recall, one of the big reasons why the Warriors lost was because Draymond got suspended for a game. Mm-hmm. So assuming that the Thunder is at full strength and their full strength just beat the Warriors full strength. So therefore the Thunder could have beaten the Cavs. But I also would never bet against that LeBron. Like the, that LeBron was on a mission. It's possible that no one was going to stop him no matter what. So I don't know. I think they, I think the Thunder would have won, but I also wouldn't be surprised if LeBron pulled it off by some miracle like he did. But I don't know. That's interesting to think like that could have been a super team. Cause like each of those players is like a franchise cornerstone and then they were all on the same team and then somehow they all just like wasted it. It's just wild. Yeah, I mean, we could start another thing talking about if James Harden would have stayed with Thunder too, but that's a conversation for another day. I wanted to focus on this exact moment, especially that game six. My gosh, I I will never forget that game. But Michael, Eddie, what are you guys' thoughts? I would agree with Jeet in the sense that the Cavs, they were on a mission. I remember the talk around LeBron, like during the regular season, I also remember watching him play. He wasn't scoring as much as usual. It seemed like he went down in terms of his performance. And I was one of those people that was question, like thinking, yeah, he's getting past it. And a lot of people were in the media were saying, you know, he's lost a step and things like that. I think LeBron maybe would have taken that personally. And maybe that would have spurred on the team to, you know, to just win. And then when I think about that game that you're referencing, like, yeah, that's just a tough game. To answer your question about if you wasn't, if you weren't sure that that was the record, I looked it up. That was the most three pointers by a player in playoff history, 11. So yeah, I would think if it, if it wasn't for that performance, then yeah, OKC would be in the finals against Cleveland, but I don't think they would have defeated Cleveland. It's LeBron, man. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, Cameron, like, it's so fascinating how some matchups you would imagine, like, two of the best players of all time in the NBA, Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Like, just the fact, like, some of these players don't end up playing as much against each other as one would imagine. Like, Kevin Durant could be a top 10 player of all time. LeBron definitely is. And yeah, they had that one finals run. But... LeBron has that it factor. And, uh, okay, let's get to it. Kevin Durant, LeBron, like, who's your number one? Who's going to be able to make plays for others? It's going to be LeBron over KD. Yeah. Kyrie versus Russ Westbrook. I'm not going to trust Westbrook in general when it comes to playoffs throughout his whole career. And yeah, sure, it's not like he's going to put seven points a game and turn a ball over six times or something. Like, he's going to put up numbers, but... In the clutch moments, do you really trust Russell Westbrook when half-court offense, you're not in transition, to like help you become a champion? I don't think he's the second option on a championship team, even in 2016. So I think even more so on that one. LeBron and KD, they're equal enough. But when you get to the Kyrie-Russell conversation, half-court offense, Russell Westbrook doing a turn the ball over like five times. I think Kyrie is a little better than Russell in that scenario. So I would have gone the Cavaliers, but it's a cool scenario. You know, you saying that, Michael, uh, I know we're kind of going off topic, but like 
we're talking about Russell Westbrook and Durant on one hand, and we're talking about LeBron and Kyrie on the other hand. But now they switched, right? So LeBron is now playing with Westbrook, and Kyrie is playing with Durant. And both of them do not work. <laughs> no, they <don't. laughs> no, they don't. That's a good call out there, Eddie. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I guess the reason why I asked was because I I think I think differently than all three of you. Obviously, I have a little bit of bias, but like I remember watching that series and then being like so physically dominant over such a good team. And essentially they were the best rebounding team in the NBA because all five players were great rebounders. They had uh, Andre Roberson, who at that time was becoming like peak defensive lockdown Andre Roberson before his injuries. Serge Ibaka, obviously, or Serge Ibaka. And then you throw Steven Adams in that mix. And then obviously having Russ and KD. This is pre-triple-double Russ, but obviously still a good rebounder. You know, I just thought they'd be able to pose in Will on the Cavaliers just as much as they did on the Warriors. And they could defend, you know, all five positions really well as well. So I, I don't know. I thought that team was very good. I thought they definitely could have beaten the Cavs. It would have been a great series regardless. But obviously, history has written itself. So we take Oklahoma City, win or lose in the finals, but they still beat Golden State. How does that change the summer where Kevin Durant essentially changes the landscape of the entire NBA and creating what is considered a super team with the Golden State Warriors? I know there's a lot of been said about him moving because he doesn't like Russell Westbrook or because he doesn't didn't like the management. Maybe he's moving because he likes Steve Kerr's system with how much movement they have where he wouldn't have to work as hard to get his points and he just wanted to be a part of that system, play with great players. Maybe he just wanted to win. You know, who knows what the true answer is. I don't think anyone will ever know outside of Kevin Durant. But if they win an NBA title with that group, do all those issues iron themselves out? Does he leave for the Warriors? Does he leave for a different team if they don't lose to the Warriors? What are you guys' thoughts on the aftermath of that summer of 2016? I think he stays because the fact that he went to Golden State tells me that he wanted a ring. And if he got that ring at OKC, then he'd be okay staying there and trying to build a dynasty. Because I feel like the ring would paper over a lot of the cracks that he may have had with the organization. So yeah, I think he would have stayed. I, I'm going to go with that. He would still leave, which is still saying something. Win a championship and leave, but yeah. Kawhi did it. Kawhi did it. Kawhi did it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like if I'm Kevin Durant long-term, like who am I going to like partner with for the next four to six years in his next contract? I think you kind of max out at one championship with Russell Westbrook as your running mate. And yeah, you sure you have other great players, but you're also an OKC, which I'd say is a very small market team and you're not going to be able to attract the same talent as you wouldn't go on state or, you know, stuff like that. So, and I just feel like maybe at that point, Kevin Durant kind of wanted the flashier lights. And like you said, Cameron, great point. Literally, 
it's going to be a lot harder to get your points when you're Russell Westbrook's running mate. If you're Kevin Durant compared to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, like, man, what a match in, in heaven that was. But yeah, I think he would have left still. Mm-hmm. I think um, she would, yeah, I see both things. I see what Jeet said in terms of he would have stayed and maybe been comfortable creating a dynasty, but I also see what Michael's saying in terms of he wanted to play for a larger market. And also by saying that, I think I probably err on the side of what Michael was suggesting, you know, playing for a, a, a bigger city. So I still think he would have left if he won a ring with OKC. Because, you know, I think about, you know, I can't remember how old he was when he left for Golden State. Was he like, what, 28, 27? Yeah, I mean, he was prime. Yeah. so It was 2016. Yeah, he had to have been probably in the league eight or nine years then, right? He's 33 now. So he'd been out at 28, 27? 27, 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, in that in that stage of your career, sometimes people need to think about not just winning championships, but also marketability, also thinking about long term, thinking about building wealth, thinking about, you know, ways they can get more endorsements or, you know, things like that. I think that was also part of the reason why LeBron moved to L.A., you know, because he had his sons, you know, he wanted his kids to go to a good high school and, you know, develop their basketball careers. So maybe that's the kind of move that Durant thought would be appropriate for him if he won that championship with OKC and moved to a, a bigger market. So, so yeah, I think those are the kinds of moves that players think about. I also remember he got really into the tech scene when he was in San Francisco, like investments outside of basketball of course and time spent like he was really into investing in you know the tech world and the bay area like silicon valley like he got really i can't remember the details of it but mm, yeah i don't remember that i need to watch yeah. that interview there's a david letterman um yeah I, I just saw that yeah i only watched like the first third of it but uh that's yeah, pretty interesting what do you think Cameron? Yeah, I- in my heart of hearts, I think I see it's just hard to know because in so many scenarios, think about like the Patriots. Winning cures everything. Think about how much like movement there is in free agency and things like that. And it's because most of the time they want to win. Think about like a Braun going to the Heat or blanking on other examples, but Chris Bosch to the Heat. right like how many times do you just hear like people just being disgruntled and wanting to leave because they want to win a championship it happens way more often than a dude that's winning like tom brady winning a championship and then being like i can't do this anymore it took him 20 years to do that because they just won so often right so i have to imagine that if they win that championship you have a whole offseason you sign kevin durant they were setting up moves to sign somebody else or at least make some moves for somebody else. They're clearly setting up to try to be a very, very prominent team for a very long time. And I think if they win that year and Kevin Durant re-signs, there's no doubt in my mind that they would be in a prime position to play the Warriors again in the Western Conference Finals for years to come. So 
I have to imagine that if they win, that he would be more likely to come back. But if I also look back on it, and when he went to the Warriors, I've heard a lot of stories about like he signed with a new agency group. And when he did that, this group is known for like trying to get their players the most money and the most in the limelight kind of a thing. And he like his image completely changed. Like he used to be one of the most like down to earth. Like remember his MVP thing where he was like, my mom is a real MVP. You know, you see that like meme all the time. Like that was the guy he was in Oklahoma City. He was just like this great dude. And he goes to Golden State and he is the villain. Like all the crazy tweets and stuff. I mean, he still does it now. Like he is one of the biggest villains in the NBA, like constantly being in the middle of controversy and speaking his mind and like doing all these things. He's a completely different person from what I remember him as being in OKC. So I just wonder if he was always wanting to get out away from the small market, like you were saying, and get into a little bit more limelight. You know, maybe the stuff between him and Russ was real because I could definitely see it. Russell Westbrook is a very controversial player himself, especially in regards to being with other star players. So I still think that winning cures a lot of things, and, you know, you have a lot of fun when you're winning. So I would like to think these days, but after seeing how his career has developed more and more, the more I think, like, he was always, like, wanting to go, I think, and get out of there. Every time I watch him play, I think about what could have been. But we are in a very, very different place than what I ever imagined when I was sitting on that couch back in 2016. Cameron, I have a question for you. Yeah. You're by and far the expert on OKC Thunder since they moved there. Yeah. And I remember KD like in San Francisco and when he's like, well, say like it wasn't his team. Like that was Steph's team and always was, even if. Katie won the MVP in the finals a couple times. What would you say, like, who was the guy in OKC? Like, who did the fans admire more, cherish more? Was it Russell or Uh, KD? No, it was KD. It was KD 100%. Russell became that guy Mm. because the big thing in Oklahoma history, and it's really getting tested a lot right now, stuff with, like, Lincoln Riley and him moving out to USC and leaving Oklahoma behind. It's like Kevin Durant 2.0, like, leaving the small market in the dust, the disrespect, right? Like, that's the whole thing. Like, I don't remember where I was going with that point. Where was I going? What was the question you'd ask? Was it KD's team or was it Russell's team? What it was, say? okay, it was it was KD's team. It, it was KD's mm. team. It became Russell's team because he was the loyal one. He was there by our side. He re-signed his max extension on Kevin Durant's birthday in the summer. <laughs> Just like, okay, see, ride and die. You know, I, I don't blame him for leaving either, but when he did, but it, it was Kevin Durant's team. I mean, he was most popular person in the state of Oklahoma. So, yeah, I mean, from a what if scenario, I think you could talk a lot about Kevin Durant's legacy as a player because, you know, he does go and win two wings, but he essentially hopped onto the bandwagon. Obviously, he's one of the best players in the NBA. And like you said, he's scoring 35 points a night in the NBA Finals. So he's not like just hanging on for the ride. Like he's definitely contributing. But if he creates his own legacy in Oklahoma City, takes that team to a finals, maybe multiple finals, 
maybe wins a couple of them. I mean, with how great of a scorer he is, you're putting him in the conversation of some of the greatest players of all time. But instead, he decides to join a team that's already been established and won the NBA Finals and then goes and wins. So it's kind of like, you won the NBA Finals, but, like, did you really win the NBA Finals? Like, you know, you just joined the greatest team of all time. That's not adding to your legacy. So, I mean, that could be a question within itself. I, like, do you guys think his legacy would be any different if he would have stayed? Um, I'm not answering your question. The greatest Thunder in the history is Nick Collison. That's true. But it would be Kevin Durant if he would have stayed. <laughs> that's true. That's a, Yeah, that's true. I don't know. As players, though, like Nick Collison, Durant, like it's a lot closer than people think. Let's just say that, okay? Hey, Nick Collison got us that second pick. I I mean, I love Nick Collison, so. For but. sure. I think so. Like, he became the villain. Yeah, he stayed with the hometown team, OKC, or like where you're drafted. I guess he was drafted in Seattle, technically. But. Yeah, I think he would have been appreciated that much more. I don't think, I, I still don't think they would have won a second ring, even if they won that year in 2016. I don't think he would have won a second one in OKC. Golden State is still Golden State. They also had the salary cap to sign Kevin Durant in the first place. If they don't sign him, who else do they sign instead to get that much better? So, but he would have been loved, like cherished, like you said, like. He was before he left. He, he would have been. He did take a pay cut to go play for Gold State, a big one. Mm-hmm. So I don't. They're not going to sign someone of Kevin Durant's caliber unless they took a pay cut. But which again is it's weird to me that you know OKC is going to offer him the max, whatever. But I mean, like I I look at a guy like Giannis, like Giannis. Talks about, I, I think that's why I have so much respect for Giannis. And a lot of people talked about this when he won that championship last year. Was like, Giannis did what we thought Kevin Durant would do and like be committed to the city, small market, be very upfront about like, I'm staying here, but you guys need to help me out kind of a thing. Like, you guys mean like the front office and, you know, them doing what they needed to do and then him being that driving force to getting that championship. I mean, he could have easily that summer left and gone to the team that knocked him out, the Miami Heat. That team would have been insane, right, if Giannis joins that team. I mean, that's essentially what we're talking about, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I think history will serve a guy like Giannis a lot more than a guy like Kevin Durant because Giannis created his own legacy and Kevin Durant hopped on the train that was already rolling, you know? Well, it's not too late for Giannis to make a move like Durant made. Like, let's say he goes to, to, you know, L.A. or Miami or something like that. I mean. But I think he did it. He committed and he did it. He got the ring. I think that speaks for itself. Even LeBron, even LeBron didn't commit to Cleveland. And I, I understand that a little bit more because what they were putting together for him was not the same as what, like, the Bucks with, you know, Chris Middleton and bringing in Drew Holiday, you know, all that. And, like, the Thunder, having a guy like Russ on the team and, you know, your Serge Ibaka's and, like, I mean, those are quality players. What LeBron had was not, like, quality. But still, like, joining up with those guys to win that championship, 
I think makes it different than committing to that small market, trying to get it done. I'm not trying to start like a, a LeBron conversation, but no, 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 I, yeah. that's kind of the point I'm making is it's like, I think it changes his legacy, even if he just gets one and then goes somewhere else or something. Okay. Who was the coach of OKC during that time, like right before Durant left? Was it Brooks then? Is it Scott Brooks? Scott Brooks. That's or was it search. Billy Donovan? No, Billy Donovan. I'm pretty sure he came after. Let's find out. It was 2015-16? Yeah. yeah. Billy Donovan. His oh. first year. Oh. Okay. Wow, I thought he saw Florida at that time. Huh. I thought so too. Wow, okay. But shoot. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah i don't know i think that uh, you can't put all the blame on on durant like with regards to that yeah he sure he had all the personnel player wise but i think the blame goes to gm as well in terms of the coaching hire expecting a first year i'm i'm assuming that was his first time in the nba if i'm not mistaken like first head coach so. NBA. having that type of person with the expectations that OKC had with the personnel that they had to make like to challenge for a title, you know, he overachieved by making to the Western conference finals. He is a game away. He was a game away, but still. So if they win, he won the NBA finals in his first year. How is that not like a positive? Wait, were they, was it, was OKC three, one up or three, one down? They were up three to one. They were up three to one. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. a good look. Yeah, even though they were a game away, you got to win that game. You have to win it when it matters. And you had three chances to do it and you didn't do it. I think that's – the players can do so much. Coaches can add that extra oomph. Yeah. I mean, it. I know that NBA changes a lot over the course of the years. But for me personally, this was a very big moment in the shift that happened in the NBA because of where the Thunder projecting were were going to be. And obviously the Warriors being a big powerhouse. But I felt like that move was almost a direct result of the Thunder not beating Golden State. And essentially tilted the table to Golden State for the next two and a half years. Yeah, I think... um... You said something, Cameron, like that I thought was interesting. I think it was because it was an increase in salary cap. Like it was a big jump from that year to the next one. And that's how Golden State was able to make it work with Kevin Durant coming in. So I, I think on the on the flip side, like let's say he stayed in OKC and even if they didn't win that year, they lose still to Golden State. If he stays, he commits. You still have two guys in their prime in their mid to late 20s. If they add a third guy in, in addition to the link they have with Ibaka and Steven Adams, I think more of like a three-point beast. He could be like your fourth, fifth scoring option, but someone who could just be reliable from three. I don't know. Name that comes to mind is like Gordon Hayward. Like he was like really coming up at that time. Another guy with length. I think they could have had some really good success, but yeah, it's a shame that with all this big salary cap jump, that every team had Kevin Durant leaves and to win a championship, you need a top dog. You need a guy who's top five in the league. 
you lose that. The thing with the, like, yeah. The thing with the Thunder too is with these small market teams, it's hard for them to sign free agents. So when you draft a guy that's the caliber of Kevin Durant, you expect to have him a long time because, I mean, you're not signing anybody of that caliber ever. Those guys are going to the big markets, your Miamis, your New Yorks, and your LAs. I mean, those guys aren't going to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big part of it is when you lose a guy who's in free agency like that, that you're expecting to keep for a long time. I mean, that changes the landscape of your entire team. And I think Sam Presti has done an amazing job to keep them relevant for as long as they did, moving everything around um, the way that he did to, to keep them in the playoffs and in the hunt. A lot of those times, those teams weren't seven and eight seeds. Those were four and five seeds that could have made a run. But, you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. there's unlucky injuries and things like that happen. But I don't know. I do wonder, though, because I'm very excited for the Thunder future. Uh, having the second pick and a 12th pick in a 30th pick and having a good young core that's starting to to really show up it's going to be it's going to be interesting but i still think if i'm sitting here today Oklahoma City is a very very different team if they win that series if you guys don't have any any other closing remarks you can close it down another great episode so thank you guys hope you guys all have a great great summer and rest of your week i think i think it's memorial day weekend any good memorial day plans uh you know just whipping it up (laughs) whipping it up michael any good plans ironically also whipping it up yeah oh wow um, Cameron? I'd love to join you guys in whipping it up, but uh, I will be down in Arkansas. So um, ah. doing a little ne- golfing with my nephew. I imagine probably playing video games and making some s'mores, doing a little family dinner on Sunday night, meeting my wife's cousin's baby for the first time. So shout out to little Hayes. See you out there. So hope you guys have a great Memorial Day weekend and see you out there next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you'll know when we've released a new episode. And check out our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at WhatIfPodSTL. Again, that's at WhatIfPodSTL. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. So, I don't remember where I was going with that point. Where was I going? What was the question you'd ask? Um, I'm not answering your question. The greatest Thunder in the history is Nick Collison. That's true. The What If Podcast, produced by Michael Kelly.